Hi, my name is Dory, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Are you ready or not? This is the question for us today as we move forward into the finale of our Beyond series. And our creative team just did an awesome job on that video. And look, if you want to go back and, and rewatch that as you're processing where we're going as a church, it's going to be posted on our YouTube channel. If you want to share it with a friend that you're telling about the Beyond Project, and for our podcast audience to hear the vision, man, it, it, go see that on our YouTube channel. But the question that God presents to us today is, are you ready or not? See, just because we're finishing our Beyond series, it's not the end. The the end of the Beyond series is actually just the beginning of a journey called the Beyond Project with the following vision where we create spaces where Jesus impacts people beyond the room. And that's been our goal currently. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you've been here for this series, like I have been changed by this series. I am different by what's happening in this room. And that's our prayer, that what happens inside the room changes our lives outside the room. And I can tell you that is happening for me. And even if this is your first time here, that can happen for you today. Because the invitation is what we just say. And I love this part of the song. It says, come now. For all we've seen, we ain't seen nothing yet. Now, some people in Tennessee can get behind a song that has ain't in it, can't we? We can get fired up about that. So are you ready? Are you ready? Come now. Bring him praise for what he might do next. That spirit of anticipation that we're believing you, Jesus. We're giving you a chance, Jesus, and we are thrilled to see what you might do next. Are you ready? Are you ready or not? Because he says, come now. He says, come and let us step out of the boat and into his immeasurably more. Come and let us rise and build. Come and let us leverage finite resources for an infinite impact. Come. See, today is special. Today has the potential to be a milestone, both in the life of our church and as our lives as individuals as we take that step, as we say yes to this invitation and we proclaim that Jesus, we are ready, here's our lives. And we see the potential of this day and why it could be special when we think about the long view that we've chosen to take for the Beyond Project. See, we're not just building a building, we're developing people. Like Jesus has invited us into this building project and it's gonna be phenomenal, the new spaces we move into. But we're not just building a building, we are developing people. And here's what's amazing is that Jesus is using the Beyond Project to grab our hearts. And in order order for us to let Jesus grab our hearts, we must talk about money. And this is the point where some of us think, well, why did I come today? I wish I could slide out. Can I sneak out still? Why did I invite my friend? You know, we get awkward about this. But do you realize that Jesus talked about money a whole lot? And yes, you may have had a bad experience with how churches talk about money. But have you ever read how Jesus discussed money? And that's what we want to do today is look at how he discussed it. Because when we look at how Jesus talked about it, here's what we see, that Jesus isn't after our money He's pursuing our hearts. But Jesus understands that the two are intertwined. He understands that wherever our treasure is, there our heart 
will be also. I mean, think about it. Jesus is our creator. He's our designer. And as our designer, he understands that the path to our hearts flows through our bank accounts. For Whitney and me, as I thought about this, when we first got married, we bought an incredible couch. I love this couch from Big Lots. Anybody bought some Big Lots furniture? Anybody with me? It's good stuff. It's pretty cheap. You know, it was great. My mama was like the queen of Big Lots. So we felt like we honored her legacy when we bought this couch. So we buy this couch. It's awesome. You know, after a few years, it begins to like peel, you know, the fake leather stuff, you know what I'm talking about. But we did not replace it. We bought a couch cover on sale. Come on, people. Let's try it. We're going to keep using this thing. It feels good. It's comfortable. But then over time, um, what happened is we were moving into a new house. We we went from renting to we were going to be owning. And Whitney was like, look, we, we really just, it's time to get something that will last a little bit longer. And you know, with the Big Lots couch, I mean, we took care of it, but if you spilled something on it, I mean, it was like pilling. So it's not that big a deal if you spill something on it, we'll just clean it up, not a big deal. But when we made a bigger investment in a couch, that led to better care. So the new couch we have, we didn't just buy the couch, we bought um, also this like special product that like coats the couch and covers it. Anybody done this? And not only that, but as soon as we put the couch in our home, then we're like spraying the whole couch with this special stuff. And then I'm trained, husbands, look, to succeed in marriage, you need to be well-trained. And I'm well-trained because when we spill something on this couch, I immediately go and get the special cleaning stuff that cleans it. And then I know how to spray it. And I get a washcloth and I wait eight minutes. And after eight minutes, then I wipe it off and then I let it dry. Then I come back and check and see if it's sprayed again. People, I'm well-trained, okay? We never did that for the Big Lots couch. It was a great couch, but we didn't do that because suddenly we had a bigger investment. We had better care. And Jesus understands that that extends to more than just couches that we buy. He knows that a financial investment equals a heart investment. And Jesus wants to and deserves to reign as the king of our hearts. But one of his biggest competitors is our stuff. It's what Jesus has done. It's brilliant. He's using the Beyond Project to force us to talk about money, to force us to have the conversation that we would probably avoid on our own because he is pursuing our hearts. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, Matthew chapter six is where we're gonna be. It's also gonna be on the screen. And just know this, the author Matthew is a tax collector. Here's what that means. He loved him some money. Like this guy loved money pre-Jesus. In fact, he would rip off friends, family members, didn't matter who you are, he would rip you off in order to make sure that he had this luxurious, awesome, rich, high-level lifestyle. And he didn't care about you because he loved him some money. And Matthew was there when Jesus said this. So the fact that he wrote this down, and we can also tell that he lived this out shows that his time with Jesus changed him and Jesus was able to grab Matthew's heart just like he wants to grab ours today. So we're gonna read chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're actually gonna start with verse 21, because that's like the thesis. That's the big idea that Jesus wants us to get at, and he reinforces it with 19 and 20, builds up to it. But with 21, here's what we know about the heart. In this culture, the heart was the center of someone. And Jesus understood this, that wherever our treasure is, 
That's where our heart would be. In other words, that's where our commitment would be. That's where our attention would be. And Jesus isn't after our money. He's pursuing our hearts. And he's helping us see that, man, whatever we invest in, we're going to pay attention to. Some of you invest in stocks. And a year ago, you didn't even care about the company. But now you've got an app where you can track how the company's doing. And if you check how your stock and that company's doing at lunchtime, you're having a great day. And if that stock's going down, then you cry during your lunch break. I mean, you are emotionally connected with that company because you have financially invested in it. And so Jesus is going to force us to talk about money because he is pursuing our hearts. I have a friend who is being restored from what most of us would consider some pretty big mistakes that he made, and he's not running from it, but he's actually running to Jesus. And I want us to know that he's actually ran to this church as a refuge where he can find restoration. Is that not amazing? That we are a place where people, when they feel like, I don't know where to turn, the pieces are on the floor where I broke it, that they are running here to find Jesus and be among his people so they can be restored. As we're talking this week, we're meeting and he just kind of out of the blue said, hey, I want you to know that last Sunday I gave for the first time and like, I don't even remember when I gave. So Jesus has blessed me with stuff, but I've never really thought to give. And then he basically quoted the title of last week's talk. We said, hey, it's not mine anyway. And in that moment, I didn't go, hold on. <sighs> Thank you for giving. Now we can pay the light bill. Let me go to Cleveland Utilities and pay that real quick. And I'll be right back. You know, I didn't turn any lights on. No, it wasn't that. Here's what I thought. I had a big smile on my face because I knew that him giving demonstrated that Jesus was grabbing more of his heart. Jesus isn't after our money. He's pursuing our hearts, and he knows that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. That's why if you skip down to verse 24, he makes this statement. We read a similar verse to this last week. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You just can't do it. You cannot serve God and money. So when you put together these two statements, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, you cannot serve both God and money, here's what we see. There are inescapable, unbreakable connections between our money and our heart. Inescapable, unbreakable connections between our money and our heart. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is just a fact thing. This is how we are designed. And so Jesus wants to open our minds to see that our spending habits indicate who reigns in our hearts. So when you walked in today, who is reigning on the throne of your heart? When I walked in today, who is reigning on the throne of my heart? Our actions will prove who's really sitting on the throne. And that's why in verses 19 and 20, Jesus gives us some actions. Again, he said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And then he gives examples of two threats to our money. He said, look, it can deteriorate. It can go away. He said, somebody can come in and steal it. What Jesus wants us to know is that threats to our financial treasures are always present. Our money, our stuff is never safe on earth. So he goes on in verse 20. So lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. In heaven, both of these threats are removed. The message says it like this, stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe. And think about it. If we're just considering our money, 
If we're gonna put some money in a bank, are we gonna go to the bank that we're like, kind of shady, I don't know if I'm gonna get my money back, or are we going to the bank that's safe? We're going to the bank that's safe because what we want is we want our money, we want our investments, we want our stuff to be secure. I think about my grandfather. My grandfather passed away when I was about one, so I don't remember him, but my dad told this story. Um, when he was dying, he called my dad in the room and he said, hey, when I pass away, don't sell the car without going through the trunk. My dad's like, going through the trunk? He's like, I have thousands of dollars hidden in the trunk of my car. My dad's like, you have what? See, my grandfather grew up during the Great Depression. The stock market collapsed where banks failed. And so he didn't trust the banks to keep his money safe, but he knew he could hide it in the trunk and keep it safe. As evidence, it took my dad and his siblings over an hour to find the money that my grandfather had said, it's hidden in the trunk. In his mind, that was the safest place to put it. And we all have that desire. We want our investments. We want our money, our finances to be secure. And what Jesus is helping us see is that the only secure investment is taking our possessions out of our hands and placing them in the hands of our Father. Instead of walking around like this, like we so often do, it's saying, no, Father, actually, it's not mine anyway. I'm just a steward. I'm just an administrator of my father's resources and I personally represent him with every financial decision I make. So I'm just gonna put it back in your hands. To drive this point home in, in Luke's account of Jesus's life, Jesus tells a story about a rich man who's blessed in abundance. And look, if you're not in a community group, I just wanna encourage you, go to a community group. They meet in homes. And what we do in community groups, we go deeper into the content that we're discussing here. So this story, I'm just gonna fly through real quick and we're gonna dive into it though in our community groups this week. So Jesus tells this story about a rich man. It's a parable. And in this story, the rich man has tons of stuff, just a, a, a enormous abundance. And that's not a sin. It's not a sin that he has stuff, that he's been good with his money and he's a great businessman and he's wise and he's accumulated this stuff. That's, that's not a sin. The sin is the fact that he fails to recognize that when we are blessed, we should then use our abundance to bless others. He misses that. Instead, he says, hey, I got a lot. I'm just gonna hoard it. And in the story, God comes to him that night and says, you've decided to hoard it, but this night, you're actually going to die. So who's actually gonna get to enjoy your stuff. And the story ends with this statement that Jesus makes in Luke chapter 12, verse 21. It says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not God. See, what this story tells us is that we're thinking about who's on the throne of our hearts. It's not a what versus a who. It's not money versus Jesus. It's actually a who versus a who. It's me versus Jesus. And it's not just about filling up our barns. It's where are we putting our treasure? Are we investing it in my wants and my desires and my wish list? Or am I able to look beyond me and make the most secure investment by putting it into my father's hands? Is my barn or my treasures filled with me or with God? So it really leads us to this question. How do we choose Jesus with our money? How do we store up treasures in heaven 
with our money. And it really is quite simple. It's that we give towards Jesus's work on earth and his primary work flows through the church. Keep in mind that Jesus is using the Beyond Project to force us to evaluate our financial habits, which allows him to grab our hearts. So the challenge of the Beyond Project when it comes to generosity is that we increase our generosity to step into Jesus's immeasurably more. And here's what Jesus wants us to get. We can't miss that. That every time we increase our generosity, we give him more of our hearts. Every time we give money, resources, time towards the work of Jesus, we are in turn giving him more of our hearts because Jesus isn't after our money. He's pursuing our hearts. And I've lived this. As we've gone through this series, as Whitney and I have evaluated where where we are at financially and set generosity goals, Jesus is grabbing more and more of our hearts. And every decision we make to be generous towards Jesus and his work gives him more of our hearts. There's an inescapable, unbreakable connection between our money and our hearts. And Jesus wants us to be aware of that and make decisions with that in mind. So what he's done, and what we're being invited to do, he's saying, come and make a generosity percentage increase. Where every single one of us has the privilege to decide that we're gonna increase our generosity by percentage for the rest of 2019. And look, as as Whitney and I have, have done this, as we've made this decision, what's happened is we, we have this anticipation that we cannot wait to see how Jesus is gonna use our gift, that's really his gift, because we're just stewards, so we're just giving back to him what's really his to begin with, and we can't wait to see how Jesus is leading us towards planned, spontaneous giving. And you're like, dude, do you even know what words mean? Those are opposites, exactly. How many of us have had a spontaneous opportunity we're an incredible nonprofit that's pointing people to the name of Jesus has a need. Well, ah, or you meet someone in need and you've got a chance to give towards them. Or your local church, maybe you're a guest, you're not from here, but your local church or this local church has an opportunity for us to give. And you're like, ah, I would give, but I'm kind of hamstrung financially and I'm just not in a position to give. Through a generosity percentage increase, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up. We're planning for spontaneous giving. Is that not amazing what Jesus is doing? He's giving us this opportunity. And honestly, I can't wait to get to the end of this year and having lived through this generosity percentage increase and then going, okay, what's next, Jesus? What's the increase next year? Where are you leading us next year as we continue to give Jesus more and more of our hearts? And know that public church, we're not asking you to do something that we're not already doing as well. We are actually setting generosity goals for this project. Now to back up, just understand that in our regular budget, we budget for global partners and local partners and we budget to give money away and we're still giving that money away and serving people in need through our regular budget. But through the Beyond Project, we're gonna give away more than we have ever given away. In fact, right now our elders are doing research and just here's where we at, we haven't landed, but we're researching the crisis that's going on in Syria the humanitarian crisis, and we're looking at organizations that are doing Jesus work, serving those people, meeting their needs, alleviating suffering in Syria. And we're looking at an organization that we could set a goal and say, hey, through this project, we're gonna give this much money to that organization. Locally, 
We're looking at organizations that are working in two areas. One is human trafficking. And the second is welcoming immigrants and refugees into our city. And look, we already do that through an existing ministry of our church called the International Friend Network. They meet every Saturday in the annex for Conversation Corner to give people that are moving here an opportunity to practice their English and to form relationships where people can show them the basic things like where to shop and where they need to get information. It can just help them be welcomed and not feel so lonely in our city. And we are going to be able to come alongside an organization that's also doing that. And another organization, hopefully, that is working in sex trafficking and give towards the great work that they are doing. Isn't Jesus amazing? That Jesus is using a building to force us to talk about money so that way then we as a church can be more generous towards his work outside our campus than we've ever been before. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. That's just how Jesus works. So for us, again, it comes down to, are you ready? Are you ready or not? Because he's inviting us to increase our generosity as a sign that Jesus, I just want to give you more of my heart. And the beautiful thing about when we increase our generosity is that you don't have to designate your gift and beyond project or anything on that. Our approach is just a one fund. So that way, as we give, we can give towards these new partnerships, these new opportunities, give more than we ever have. We can continue to give towards existing projects. We can give towards the building. Like we can give towards everything and it all moves forward together. So today we're going to have an opportunity to give a one-time gift to kickstart the Beyond Project. And this gift is about momentum. It's about us building momentum as a church, and it's about you and I building momentum as individuals. As we're entering into this generosity percentage increase, that today's a chance to get some momentum in that and get it started. But know this, if all we do is give a one-time gift in this space and that's it, then we have missed it. Because this is just a tool to help us continue to be more generous for the rest of this year and well beyond this room. So in your seat, you should have had a card and an envelope. Can everybody hold it up? Now, don't be shy. You guys got to outdo the nine o'clock. Can we outdo the nine o'clock? Come on, everybody hold it up. Even if you didn't wear deodorant, it's okay. We'll forgive you. Wave those around. Everybody got it? Okay, so here's the opportunity that we have before us. This card is what we are inviting you to fill out. And if you want to fill out some stuff on the envelope, you can, but you don't have to do that. But we're inviting every single one of us to do is to fill out this card and simply to indicate how you are giving. And one of the big reasons we're doing this is to help you push pay people out from the push pay prejudice. If you don't know what push pay is, it's our online giving platform. It's accessible through our public church app. We can come to something like this and, you know, the check writers and the cash givers, they're like, ooh, I'm going to give. And the push pay guy's like, I promise I gave. It was online. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. So we want to have equal opportunity for all of us, no matter how we give. And so all you got to do is simply just check how you're giving and then just write your amount. Just put this in here and seal it. And what our team is going to do is our team is going to have three different stations, one in the back and two at the front. And we're going to have an opportunity for us to bring this envelope up and put it in the station as an act of worship. And look, the point isn't showy. If it was showy, we'd be like announcing your amounts on the screen. Oh, it's $5. You know, that's not what it's about. The reason we're doing it this way is because it's intentional. 
There's something very intentional about us having to mark how we're giving, to write the amount, to put it in the envelope, and to seal it. There's something very intentional about us having to crawl over people and then come up and potentially stand in line. And that intentionality in this space speaks to the intentionality outside of this space that we have to do to have a generosity percentage increase, the intentionality of crunching numbers, looking at our budget, refining our budget, and way beyond today, making decisions and going, I really want that, but I have this generosity percentage increase that I've committed to, and I'm going to say no to this so that I can store up some treasure in heaven. That requires intentionality. So we want to practice that intentionality here. And to even raise how we're intentional even more, I want to invite us all when we come up to just pray this prayer. It's going to be on the screen. That Jesus, I give this gift and more of my heart to you. And look, I invite you to come up as a family. This is an act of worship for us. And when you get up here, just pause for just a moment and just pray, Jesus, I give this gift and more of my heart to you. Because every time we give to public church or any other local church, every time we give to someone in need, every time we give to an organization that is pointing people in the name of Jesus and serving people in the name of Jesus, every single time we are giving more of our heart to Jesus. So let's not just be intentional when we walk up here. The goal is that well beyond the 11 o'clock gathering, that every time we give towards public church, every time we give to an organization that's about Jesus, every time we give towards someone in need, we pause and we pray this prayer. Jesus, I give this gift and more of my heart to you. Because we understand there's an inescapable, unbreakable connection between our money and our hearts. And Jesus isn't after our money, but he is passionately pursuing our hearts. And we have the privilege with our financial decisions to give him more and more of our heart every day. And you may be saying, ah, he's got my heart. No, he doesn't, okay? He doesn't have all of you. You may think he does. I may think he does, but we're gonna wake up Tuesday, Wednesday, the next week, and there's gonna be more to give. And every time we pray this prayer, every time we choose generosity, we're acknowledging that there's, there's more of me that you deserve, Jesus. So I wanna make sure that you, you, Jesus, you are on the throne of my heart. And so our team's gonna go ahead and come up, and I'm just gonna pray for us. I just encourage you, take a moment, fill this out, and then let's be intentional with this act of worship. The invitation from Jesus is come now. So are you ready? Jesus, I just pray that you would give us the courage to be intentional, to take this step into your immeasurably more, to take this step towards giving you more of our hearts. We love you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty fired up about what just happened because nobody knows if you walked up here with $2 or $2,000 because it's not about that. It's about our hearts. And here's what we just gave to. We just gave towards our, our global partnerships with a local church in Romania, towards our partnership with Shepherd's Heart International who works in Kenya. 
We just gave towards the fact that we're going to be able to alleviate suffering in Syria, alleviate suffering locally through people who are suffering from human trafficking, alleviate suffering from internationals and refugees who are coming here and feeling lonely and isolated. We gave to the work of organizations that are going to alleviate that suffering. We just gave towards a new building. Where that's going to be spaces where Jesus impacts people beyond the room. We gave to generations, to new and redesigned spaces for children and students. We just gave for people who aren't even in the room yet. People that are going to show up five years from now, walk in in a gathering like this, experience Jesus, and have their eternities changed for him. And we just gave more of our hearts to Jesus. Can we stand and praise him for that? Man, that's amazing. And look, if you still need to give, we got a station in the back. And maybe you couldn't give because you need to surrender to Jesus before you can give money. Man, our prayer team will be beside this door and make that decision. And let's just join me as we pray and celebrate and ask Jesus to do immeasurably more through what we gave. Jesus, we gave this gift and we give our hearts to you. Now, Jesus, would you do immeasurably more than anything we could ever imagine through it?